Saints of God, listen to this statement. There are two instances recorded in the Bible that Jesus wept. And I hope that this statement will spur us to pray now. There are two instances in the Bible that was recorded that Jesus shed tears. The first one was at the death of Lazarus. The Bible told us that and Jesus cried because Lazarus passed on. Out of love, not, of, not, not out of helplessness. The second instance that Jesus wept is when he came to a city called Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you have missed your visitation because you were not attentive. And I believe in the name of Jesus. In this season of Thanksgiving that we are approaching on the 4th of December, we will not miss our visitation in the name of Jesus. We will not miss our visitation in the name of Jesus. First and foremost, lift your hands together and say, Lord, thank you for giving me the privilege to be alive and witness the awesome Thanksgiving that has never happened in the history of this church. Thank you for making me a partaker of such a great prophetic event. Lord, thank you for making it possible that I am alive and I'm witnessing it, Lord. Father, I stand to give you thanks. Thanksgiving is not just saying things that God has done. It's expressing faith of what God is able to do and he will do. We know that on the 4th of December, it shall be a turnaround story. It shall be a change of narrative for Grace Assembly as a church. It will be a change of story in your own life. I know it's a moment of celebration and rejoicing and dancing, but there is a dimension of the spirit that God wants to use it to unlock some blessing. The Thanksgiving wants to be used as a weapon in the hand of those who unlock some multiplication. Lord, we say thank you for the ability to receive the revelation. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your servant who has led us in this direction because when you're about to do something new you would advise us to forget the former things uh. lord we thank you for the new things you're about to do in our midst we return all the praise and the glory to you father we appreciate you in jesus name we have prayed i need you to please stay with me on psalm 107 multimedia please help me we're just going to take about three prayer points and I'll be done. Then we'll go into Bible study. Please don't let us underestimate the capacity of the wicked one. You know, you could show up on that day and the light start to flicker like this. The suddenness can begin to find its way. There are too many people that are prepared for this program. We have the Thanksgiving committee doing their job underneath. We have individual family who is gathering resources to say, I must register my name in the voice and the altar of thanksgiving. A whole lot is going underneath. But you know what? All the devil needs to do is to wake up on that Sunday morning and make sure that the generator just does not work. It's possible. Or you can wake up on that Sunday morning and the people that are coming, one funny rain from nowhere just happens. But I know one thing is guaranteed. If there is a sense to pray, there is a God to answer. In Psalm 107, quickly, verse 21 and 22, you said, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for his good, for his mercies endured forever. Psalm 107, verse 21, I'm going to 21, 22. He said, Oh, that men will give thanks to the Lord. That's what we're about to do on the 4th of December. All that man will give thanks to the Lord for what? For his goodness and for his wonderful works to who? The children of men. Listen to what he said there. Listen to it. Now, because some of you are wondering why they said we should bring things. He said, Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of what? When we follow what God says, the result will be inevitable. So, the first prayer point I want you to pray today. Lord, I receive provision to participate in the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I receive provision on behalf of every member of Grace Assembly. Everyone that is standing and is listening to me, either online or offline, the Lord said that on this day of thanksgiving, let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his work with rejoicing. If there is somebody amongst us who who doesn't have money or does not have anything to offer in this place of prayer, Lord, I receive what it takes to be part of those that we offer
offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Uh, Lord, I receive the resources uh, on behalf of every member of Grace Assembly, on behalf of every family in Grace Assembly. No family will be left out. Uh, no family will be left out. Every family will be represented to bring their gift of thanksgiving. Lord, we pray for resources. Uh, we pray for rain of resources. Lord, we pray for every family. Every family in Grace Assembly. None will be left out, oh God. Uh, none will be left out in the name of Jesus. None will be left out in the name of Jesus. Lord, let heaven open over them. Lord, let heaven open over them. Those that want to buy a car, those that want to buy a microphone, those that want to buy a fan, Lord, between now and Friday, let heaven open for them, oh God. Let surprises come from above, oh Lord. Uh, let them have what to offer. Let them not come empty-handed. Uh, Father, we give you glory. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. I don't know if you are praying with me here. Are you praying with me? Saints of God, are you praying? The second prayer point I want us to pray is very simple. All the departments are working tirelessly. Choir, ushers. You know, on that day, we're going to be praying, praying also with lots of people. You know, what, you know what I love about collective prayer? Because it makes everybody a stakeholder. You will not pray against what you expect to succeed. When we pray together, Everybody will be alert on Sunday. You are the host. There are guests coming. For instance, you know that Eben is coming. You know Eben? After Eben will perform in experience. You know experience is on Friday. When he leaves experience, he's coming with awesome grace down here on Sunday. You want to pray and say, God, let all our department function at their best. Let the ushers function at their best. Let the technical function at their best. Let the instrumentalists function at their best. Let all departments, I don't know if you are praying, I begin to mention each department. Let the children department function at their best. Let all God, those are the greeters, let them function at their best. Let multimedia, let the excellent spirit that this house is known for, let it rest on all the departments. Let it rest on all choir members. Let it rest on all instrumentalists. Let it rest upon every department. Assessor, those are the security session. Those that are controlling crowd, let the excellent spirit, let it rest upon them. Uh, I can hear you pray this evening, saints of God. Uh, you can't do it in your power. You can't do it in your strength. Uh, after this Wednesday, it will be Sunday for us to gather again. Let us commit this event into the hand of God. Uh, let us plot this program into the hand of God and say, Lord, let your excellent spirit be released over this house. Father, we give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, we are afraid. Multimedia, please help me quickly before I take the last prayer point. Psalm 115, 12 to 15. Multimedia, help me with that. Psalm 115, 12 to 15. We're going to test on everything. Choirs are ready. The choir, they're ready. Um, technical generator, everything. In the name of Jesus, the excellent spirit that this house is known for will be visible on the 4th of December in the name of Jesus. No, that amen is weak. That amen is weak. I said the excellent spirit that this house is known for will be visible in the name of Jesus. Look at what he said in Psalm 115, verse 12. He said, the Lord has been mindful of us. When it is done for God to wipe away your tears, this is the kind, this kind of scripture you will see. The Lord suddenly tells you, I'm mindful of you. He will bless us. I want to say amen. He will bless the house of God's assembly. No, someone is not saying amen here. The Lord is mindful of this house. He will first bless you. After the Thanksgiving on the 4th of December, you begin to reap harvest of blessings in the name of Jesus. He said he will bless the house of grace assembly. He will bless the family of the set man. Can I go further in verse 14, 13 to 15? He will bless those who fear the Lord small and great member of this assembly. May the Lord give us increase in this assembly. More and more in the name of Jesus. We and our children in the name of Jesus. May we be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Need to lift your right hand to the Father. That everybody that will participate in this Thanksgiving, they will testify to blessings. Lift your voice and say, Lord, open heaven over every family that we bring. Everyone that will labor, 
over the success of the thanksgiving, let the declaration of Psalm 115, let it be evident. Their family, their children, their, every one of them will be blessed. Sir. They will say that, ah, the day we did thanksgiving on the 4th of December, it was the turning point of my life. Uh, it was a change of story for me. Lord, let everyone that we give, uh, let anyone that is sowing, uh, let anyone that is bringing a gift, uh, let this scripture be evident in their lives. Uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus, Father, we ask, uh, nobody will give in vain. Uh, nobody will give in vain, oh Lord. Uh, they will yield. Uh, they will say indeed, uh, the Lord has blessed us. In the name of the Lord Jesus, Father, we give you praise and glory. In Jesus' precious name, we are afraid. Finally, before you take your seats, can you give me Isaiah 44, verse 23? The last prayer. And I want us to please continue to pray until, until Sunday. I know that the prayer department, you're going to be engaging in prayer. We need to sow seeds of prayer. And I can tell you, heaven will remain open over us. That day will become a day of memorial in our lives in the name of Jesus. For everyone participating, that day will be the last day they will experience luck in the name of Jesus. This is what I want you to do. Isaiah, after the thanksgiving, look at what will happen to us. It's a sing, heavens. For the Lord has done what? Everyone that is coming with a concern, this shall be our testimony in the name of Jesus. Sing, heaven, for the Lord has done it. Shout, you lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing. You mountains of forest and every tree in it. For the Lord has what? Redeemed you, Jacob. And glorified himself in what? Grace assembly. Glorified himself where? Grace assembly. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we are following your instruction. Let us benefit from this instruction, Lord. Let every prayer I pray right now, oh God, that on that day, it shall be a representation that there is a God in Grace Assembly. There will be miracles. There will be celebration. There will be rejoicing. There will be joy all over the house. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we give you glory and praise. The 4th of December shall be the turning point. That song we say, that when the Lord turned the captivity of Zion around, we are like them that I was in a dream. Lord, we say thank you. Take all the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, we are afraid. If you believe that prayer, say good amen. Amen. You may be seated. I would advise that we continue to pray. Let's stay in the spirit all through between now and Saturday. And um, in fact, on Saturday, we have the workers' law feast. Is that correct? So December is filled with celebration. Third of December, there is workers' law feast. Fourth of December, there is the ultimate grand finale Thanksgiving. On the 18th, there is um, Christmas carol. Am I correct? There is um, the prison ministry. And um, we are aware that Pastor Yomi is also celebrating. Amen. So it's celebration galore. God is faithful to grace assembly. God is gracious to us. We give God all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Alright, are we ready for God's word, the conversation and the discussion tonight? While the man of God was preaching on Sunday, I had mixed feelings. The first one is the pattern of the pastoral instruction here is that the sequence of subjects taken by the senior pastor is what we spread to the people. You know, Jesus gave the bread, he gave it to the disciples, and then there was multiplication. You know, we follow rank, we follow instruction. We are men under authority. So the anticipation in my mind was, we will continue the series of prayer, you know, and I prepared earnestly. Because by natural configuration, I'm prone to prayer more than any other thing. You know, so I prepared my mind that, ah, on Wednesday 30th, one bad row, you know. That was my anticipation. And not good enough, we have prayed already. But when pastor showed up on Wednesday and gave a different direction to the subject in focus, the first thing that came to my mind is, ah, so what happened to all the preparation that uh, I have made? I know, you see, you can't understand that you can't do this job in the flesh. It, it, if, if, if some of us have our way, I would like to just be an usher there. Go to work, come back and do my business, collect my money and go. But you see, this part of responsibility, trust me, all glory goes to God. It puts a lot of pressure on the flesh. 
Believe me, it's a lot of pressure on my I can't sleep, I can't wake I mean, everything I'm thinking is to pick signals from what God wants to say. So while I was deeply meditating on that subject, how many of us were around on, on, on Sunday? You were around on Sunday. I don't know how that word came across to you. I don't know how that word impacted you. I don't know how your mind interpreted the contents of that message. But saints of God, what stayed on my mind, believe me, is what I'm going to be sharing with you. Because God is tired of the struggle of his children. God sincerely. God is a God of all flesh, but a father to few. You know that? God is a God of all flesh, but a father to few. Some of you have signed up to be a child of God. So the rules and regulations that govern all flesh does not apply to you. Are you following me? The rules that govern your prosperity is not the same rules that govern the, the world's prosperity. In the kingdom of God, the rule of, of prosperity is the more you give, the more you prosper. In the world, get all you can. Put it in a can. Sit on the can. Nobody takes the can. That's the prosperity formula out there. Get all, That's why when they introduced the change of currency, I, my heart bled when I saw people bringing out torn 1,000 naira notes, some in trucks. In truck. So if they had not changed it, that thing would have just been... And then we have people who are dying. There are some places you will go in Lagos, you will say to yourself, God, thank you for my life. But you see, in this kingdom, in this kingdom, the requirement for greatness and success and dominion is different from the world. And the earlier you realize it, the better for you so that you don't compete and compare with unbelievers. The earlier you realize that you are not like them. Scripture says you are in the world, you are not of the world. But it does not make you less a qualified, it does not make you less a human being. As a matter of fact, we are supposed to be superior entity, a superior version of humanity, because we are born again. But you know what? You were not born to know God. You learn God. But you were born into sin and iniquity. Nobody learns iniquity. I heard from a little story of a man of God that said, a little child of a few days old, and the mama, the, the, the mother will bring the mammary gland close to the baby's mouth. The baby will not take the mammary gland and put it here, or put it here, or put it here, or put it in the stomach. That baby, as young as, as infantile as he, he appears, knows where to put what? The mammary gland. But when it comes to God, you must learn God. And until you learn him and he satisfy you, okay, certain things can't happen for you. So, it is not a duration thing. It's a learning hunger thing. He said, those that are hunger and thirst after righteousness, your degree of hunger and thirst will determine your, will, will influence your growth spiritually. And the more you grow spiritually, the more God can entrust things. Now listen to this statement I heard. Listen, to, I, read, I read a statement. He said, unbelievers, they collect money and they become prosperous. Believers, we don't collect money. We are entrusted. I don't know if you understand that. God entrusts you with money. So until God satisfies you trustworthy, he does not give you money. Oh, you got to listen. What pastor, the Pandora box that pastor opened on Sunday, the impact of that message should cause everybody to go and retrospect. And I had a feeling, I have a feeling, sir, that the reason why you have been bringing these seemingly strange, hard messages at the dying time of the year is preparation for 2023. I don't know why. Who starts a prayer series at the last part of the year? Who starts to talk about sin God at the latter part of the year? Because something is coming in 2023. That if some of you don't hold your roots down in faith. And I'm grateful to God that we have a church. We will not dilute the truth of God. They will say it the way it is. One of the things that have endeared me to the man of God is that of all the men of God I've been with in my life, this is the last person or the least. I've, in fact, it's, 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 it's rare when you see him put financial pressure on congregation. Have you, have you experienced it before? No. He stays in his lane, deliver the word, and move on. Oh, you think he's not bothered if we don't have 10 services? No. If you have few people who are making heaven, that's his own scorecard. Believe me. Believe me. Trust me. He would deliver the word. 
I love the words he said in the book of James chapter 1 from verse 21. 21. He said, lay aside every superfluity and naughtiness of heart. Receive with meekness the engrafted word that is able to save your soul. The last verse 22 now says, do not just be the hearer of the word, but also the doer. So the benefit of the word is in doing. The more you do the word, the more God can entrust you. So pay attention to where we're going. The message came in on Sunday. Can I have the, the, the slide back? Every one of us represents a symbol. I don't know what that meant to you, but this is what it means. There are some people's name, the name some people bear, it's either a key or a padlock. Pay attention, we're going very far. I was definitely not exhausted, but trust God, I'll do my best. If you call Pastor Yomi in some places, doors will open. If you call some people's name in some places, the door will just jump. So, your name can either be a key or a padlock. Now, it is impossible to have journeyed through life. By the grace of God, a few days, months, I'll be 50 years old. Very few things. <laughs> Thank you. But something has changed in my perception to life. One of the things that changes is that I select what bothers me. I might have tried my best to live to the applause and the celebration of man, but age is telling me it is the revelation of Jesus that can deprive you from the distress of vanity. The more Jesus you know, the earth becomes vanity. And then peace starts to increase. I realize that I am more peaceful in my age now than I was years back. Why? Because Jesus has increased in me. So nothing really bothers me that much. But there is a greater worry, sir. The greater worry now. The number of years I have used is not compared to the number of years remaining. Now, you won't believe it. By the time I am, let's say I project, you know, people play with numbers. But then you say, I want to live 100. He said, you can be 100. There's nothing else you can do again. I know you are not useful physically. You are not useful in any form 100. So the reproductive age left for you, between 50 and 200, is that the next 30, 30, 40 years. And the productivity in those 30, 40 years is no longer for your benefit. It's for legacy. Hey, pay attention. Pay attention. So I am no longer trying to survive. I'm trying to leave a legacy that my name will not be a padlock. I'm believing God that all the mistakes of my past years, all the errors and all the, mis you know, the slanders and libels and misrepresentations and all the things they have tagged me with in the process of trying to become something, I pray that out of mercy God will forgive and give me a new name. And that's why this message, every one of us, right now, and the unfortunate thing about this message, the way pastor said it, is that the holder of the symbol will not know what symbols he carries. It, you will just observe that people avoid you. People don't want to assist you. Yet you are praying. Yet you are fasting. Yet you are following the word of God. And I came to a point and conclude. God told us in his word, let heavens remain for God and the earth to the sons of men. It is only a fool that will underestimate the power of men. Only a fool. A man can take his pen, sign a signature, and the story of your generation will change forever. One man can take a pen, sign something on a piece of paper, offer you, and your story will change. Sir, we went for a naming ceremony over the, uh, um, I think, because of the week. And the father of the bride said he knew you. And this is the second time this has happened to me. He said, tell Pastor Femi that his father was my colleague in First Bank. The man is 80 years old when we met him. The day I gave a testimony of him, of my chairman who was calling on phone, that he wanted to, you know, I don't know if some of you were in church the day I ministered that. Unknowing to me, my chairman is able to be a very good friend to Pastor Femi and Pastor Yomi. He said, both of you used to meet at where you repair bike. Ladies and gentlemen, if you think the distance you have covered is equal to the distance your name has covered, you are a fool. Your name has gone further than your legs have ever taken you. If you are not going to take any message serious for the rest of your life, take, answer this question. What symbol are you? Let us open the scripture. 
And then let us ask the man himself, the master crafter of life himself, the one that ordained life himself. He got to a point and he had to preach this message. Let's open our scripture too. Can I have this slide, my slide? There are two of my slides that you will see up. Um, one came earlier, the other one came thereafter. Both of them, the same message. Can we open to Matthew 16 and 13 to 20? So give me the other, the other slide. The other slide, we communicate clearly what is it. Being the okay symbol, using what? The Bodmas rule. And so some of you that did mathematics, you know what Bodmas is. Bodmas is also acronym of different symbols. The B there represents what? Brackets. The O there represents what? Off. Off. The, the D there represents what? Division. While the M represents what? Multiplication. The A represents what? Addition. And the S represents what? Subtraction. But before we go into the breakdown or exegesis of this, read with me Matthew 16 verse 13. Maybe we'll read to 20. Now you need to be sentimental and emotional about the person who was asking this question. Because Jesus had to listen and preach this message. He said when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, what kind of symbol do men think I am? Am I correct here? Oh, you should be asking yourself, how do you even see me? Tell me. When you hear my name, what comes to mind? You know, Pastor reiterated that sentence over and over. Be believe me, the gap between you and your success hmm, is just a door. That door will only open to the right symbol. For the young ones amongst us and those that are just, just giving your life to Christ, I don't give a damn what your old life was. But there is a guarantee in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 that says, when a man is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, you are a new being. So I don't matter whether you were smoking before or you were drinking before, womanizing before, or that was what they knew you with, or they knew you with one shirt before. In this service, the symbol of your life will change. When Jesus came, he said, what do men say that I am? And then listen to diverse interpretation of the same people that have been working with him for months. He said, they said, who are the day? Who are the day? Meaning as Jesus, people were whispering, up, who is this guy? Well, the boy, he was like, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, some people went as far as that. I'm sure at a point when he said, I'm from Nazareth. Some people now said, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? All kinds of symbolic interpretation. But I would not have, sincerely speaking, it's a question I will ask. But let's read through. Some say John the Baptist. Some Elijah. Imagine. Imagine how many names they call you as you are seated here. People have different interpretation of you. Oh. And God help you. You don't have one, one, one stagnant situation that has refused to go. After a while, they start to call you by that situation. The blind man of Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus. Is his name blind Bartimaeus? Heaven will forgive mankind. Yeah. Whoever has labored you wrongly, God will forgive the person. Yeah. Is that Jeremiah, one of, the, or one of the prophets? Can we scroll up quickly now? And he said to them, okay, I have heard what all of them have said. You, that you eat with me, you drink with me, you go out with me, you see me perform miracle. What kind of symbol do I represent to you? Hey. The man himself was shocked that nobody amongst them could give the answer that they should hear. Meaning, some of the responses those people gave could have been the same answer in their own mind. So they just, you know how people can modify gossip? They are the ones that want to gossip. They say, uh -huh, are you saying <laughs> you, are dealing, you are going through a lot of matter? They are the ones that wanted to gossip. They just use somebody's... So what do you say I am? I love this. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. You are a symbol of salvation and redemption. When I see you, I see redemption. When I see you, I see solution. You are the son of the living God. You are not the son of the devil. You are not an unbeliever. You are the son of the living God. So 
So let's listen to what Jesus answered. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. The first time he called him by his full name. When, they, when, they, when men call you what God originally ordained you, something will resonate in you called identity joy. In Yoruba, they will say, Jesu ki, Sir, this thing you have answered, I'm not sure anybody in the capacity of flesh and blood would have noticed it. Pause on that statement and let me ask a question for conversation. Let me ask a question. I wrote it here because I won't make the mistake I made in my last teaching. I spoke and nobody could ask that question. Now, today we're going to have a discussion. Can you please help me answer this question? Why do you think Jesus was bothered and he had to ask this question? Here was a, I mean, profile Jesus who understand the pedigree of Jesus who here was the son of God. Here was a miracle worker. Here was someone that had unlimited capacity to do anything. Here was someone, someone, they, they approached him and said, you need to pay tax. He looked at them, said, task? That day they asked him, I was wondering where Judas was. The treasurer was not around. Maybe he took the money somewhere else. And he said, that's not a problem. Go and catch a fish in the mouth of the... How many men can do that? Catch a fish, bring the money after the man. Does, does fish eat, eat coin? That is a honor of life. Yet he was bothered about how men perceive him. Why do you think he was bothered? Anybody? I just don't want to have a surface conversation. I want to have, ask, ask you a question I should be asking yourself. If Jesus was bothered, should you not be bothered also? You think you want to continue your life? At this point in the life of Jesus, there was never a record of failure or difficulties or challenges or setbacks. He was moving from glory to glory. Yet, he needed to pause and ask this fundamental question. You, you your life is topsy-turvy. Back and forth, go forward, one step forward, two step backward. You're just moving it through life. You don't understand it. And you're not bothered to say, could it be that something is fundamentally wrong in the way people see me? A man called himself Jabez because when they see him, they see sorrow. Why do you think Jesus asked this question? Sorry. Have I tampered with your mood? No, I'm sorry. Sorry. But you know, this is church. The truth we tell ourselves here is what will make us have dominion out there. Why do you think he was bothered? Anybody, please. Please. I want to have a conversation now. Please. Help me to have a conversation. Or maybe I didn't phrase the question rightly. Please, now. Don't give me. Encourage me a little. Just give me any kind of answer. Okay, there's a hand over there. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks. I appreciate it. Please celebrate him. At least you are not answering. I appreciate him. Why do you think Jesus asked the question? Good evening, Chet. Good evening. Um, I think the main reason why he asked that question was because he didn't understand the main perspective, the way people saw in that particular moment. Even irrespective of the fact that they know that he's doing the work of God. But still, or still, they don't understand the aspect that the symbol he res- re- represents for that moment. Is it that it's a plus or a minus? They don't know. They don't know. But he's asking them that, do you think if I come into your life, I can be a plus or a minus? So he doesn't know. That's the main reason why he doesn't, he's asking them that particular question that, do you believe? Do you know what I can do in your life? That's what I believe. Celebrate him. A good effort. I know it's a very technical question. It's a very deep question. Thanks for your contribution. I hear you will. Any other person that wants to help? Why would Jesus pause his entire career and life? Just because he's bothered about perception of people about him. Why is the perception of people? Is it for validation? Is it for social status? Is it because he wanted more congregation in his church? Why is the, the perception of the people important to his life? All right, there's someone over there again. All right, thank you, madam. It's um, just a minute. Please I... celebrate our. You are not taking the mic. Make her feel comfortable. Okay, I, I think personally, the reason why Jesus would ask is the Bible. In the Bible, nobody has ever been forced to do anything. Like, it's always, I'm at the door, I am knocking, open the door. It's asked, and it shall be given unto you. So, it just. 
it's the question I feel because he knows everything. He just wants to be sure um, how, how exactly is perceived. That's where we know the level of blessing or the level of relationship he actually wants to have with you. Thank you. Thank you. Good attempt. Great efforts. Another person, before I come to our pastor, another person. Thank you, brother, over there. Now, please clap. It's a culture we have cultivated here to celebrate people, make them feel good so that they will come back on Wednesday because they made them feel good today. Please shoot. Praise the Lord. I strongly believe that Jesus knew that the disciples at that meeting don't have the, the, the right perception of who he is. That's why he asked that question. And it's very important that they know who he is because who he is is synonymous with his ministry. And these are the people he's sending out to the world. He needs to be sure that they will take the right message to the world. That's why he has that question so that he can, so that he can um, groom them the proper way so that they will take the right message to the world. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Great efforts. You know, in a conversation like this, there's no wrong or right answer. It's how you see it, how you interpret the question, and so it's fantastic. Any other response? Do you want me to give you my answer? All right, Ambassador. Why did Jesus, why was he concerned? Why is he, but they could have just moved on. Why would you ask, what do, what do people, what do people, who gives it? I mean, the people, are they important? Good evening, George. Good evening. Um, to me, it's just like as we are here now, Many of us believe to come and hear the word. That the word will be a plus or a minus to their life. But if you look at what pastor has been teaching us, pastor is telling us and is teaching us what is in the Bible. It's now left for you to open your heart and go along the line with the teaching. That is why on Wednesday like this, when you ask us to come to this thing, if you are confused, you can ask questions. Because some people, they might still believe in that at this church, there is no miracle. That is why many people go to churches. They are looking for miracle. We are, we are as the miracle is beside them already but they are not doing the word and they did not understand the word. So Jesus Christ wanted to know if the disciples even really know what he's teaching them and how are they going, how is it going to be in their life when people see them. Thank you. Good attempt, great effort. Saints of God. All right. Thank you, ma. Please make a few welcome, celebrate her. Mrs. Mariam, Minister Mariam. Um, praise God. Hallelujah. I just think um, he wanted to test their um, understanding of spiritual things. Do they really understand spiritual things as it differs from the things that you say, things of the flesh? So him asking, who do you think I am? He was trying to test their level of understanding and sp of spiritual things. Very That's great one. Thank you very much. I will need you to give me a few minutes if you have a pen, write this down. It's a fundamental rule of life that decides the outcome of every destiny. You need to be very careful now and listen. Your perception by the people determines your acceptance at every level. How people perceive you will determine how they will receive you. You need to write it down. If you are, no, no, I've met single ladies who say they are struggling to have a life partner. What you should be curious about is how am I perceived as a lady? Pastor Yomi is a guru, a technocrat when it comes to perception management. His core profession is tampering with the way people see things in a manner that it should, it should be an advantage to the person who employed him to do a job. And that's why they say perception is reality. Perception is what? Reality. Now, listen to this crazy one of the reasons Jesus answered the question. Jesus could have believed that by himself, he could do a self-appraiser. And this is who I am. You know how some of us doggedly argue? This is who I am. Oh, that's who I am. Who you are is inconsequential to how they see you. If there is something you should be bothered after knowing who you are, 
You should also be bothered how they see me. The question was, what do men say that I am? It wasn't for identity crisis with Jesus. It wasn't because Jesus didn't know that he was the son of God. But he knows that if he knows that he's the son of God, but the people don't know, they won't receive him as such. If I'm going to do this ministry for three years and leave, and I want continuity, I must adjust and correct and align how they see me. Because how they see me will determine how they accept me and what they say to others. You don't have a, you don't, you don't have a husband. You don't have a wife. Believe me, something that can be corrected or adjustment, adjusted is, have you been bothered about how you are perceived? When pastor said it on Sunday, the part that worried me on what he said is that if Jesus had not asked that question, nobody would have come to meet him. That this is how we feel about you. Nobody, sincerely speaking. If Jesus had not initiated that question, none of the people either that called him John the Baptist or called him Elijah or Jeremiah, none of them would have walked up to him and said, Uncle Jesus, do you know I think you are John the Baptist? So? Do you know the damage of how they, how they dropped him to John the Baptist level? They would have been offering him the service of John the Baptist. Meanwhile, it's Jesus. What they are offering you is proportional to how you are perceived. You pay attention. Listen to this scripture. The reason Jesus asked the question is to establish the principle of perception is proportional to acceptance. Let me give you a very beautiful illustration. No matter how hungry you are, no matter how hungry you are, I gave you a bowl of jollof rice with fried chicken. No matter how hungry you are, and on the tip of the bowl is poo-poo. Would you eat? Would you eat? Why would you not eat? Eh? The poo-poo is not in the food, though. It's just on the plate. What turned you off was not the food. The symbol of poo-poo around it. If the day ever we open your mind to understand that, ah, you should kneel before God and say if there's a wrong symbol around me. If I bear a mark on me that is chasing people away, chasing men away, chasing help away, chasing mercy away, if there's something about me that men are just irritated about in this message, Lord, change the symbol in me. You know, some struggle will end if men would accept you well. Let me read a scripture to you to buttress the response of Jesus. In Proverbs chapter 22, the NIV, if you can help me, multimedia, and we're going to have a discussion now to board mass. Because I'm just going to link this to the next phase of the message, then we discuss board mass. Obviously, I can't exhaust it, and uh, maybe some other time. Proverbs 22, listen to this statement. Read it with me. Let's read it in concert. <laughs> Do you know what this means? The day you attain a good name status, you will not need money again. Is that correct? Is that very correct? There is a way our senior pastor built a legacy for his life. That if I see Timilei, the honor we give Timilei will not be because of Timilei. It's because of who? What did the father hand over to him? A good name. A good name. Saints of God, all Jesus was trying to say there is that if I have a good impression of me in your hearts, in your hearts, then you will worship me more than silver and gold. Also to you that if your name gets to a point where it opens door, you have overcome the power of silver and gold. If you are still begging for silver and gold, it is not God. Work on your name. Mm. Work on your name. Work on your name. Do you know if you beg, what do you think they will call you? Eh? Is beggar a good name? Who gave you that name? Your action. If you give, what do you think they will call you? Who gave you that name? Your action. So, to change the name from being a beggar, what do you need to do? 
Change your action. Are you following the sense of God? Are you learning something this evening? God, in the hierarchy of greatness in life, God is at the peak of the, of the, of the, of the enchalon, at the pyramid. God is there. So after God, the most influential power on earth is mammon. You know mammon? When Jesus, Satan came to meet him after the fasting, the only thing he offered Jesus was what? The riches of this world. But in this scripture, after God, ah, Holy Spirit, the next thing the Lord told Jesus, he said, I will give you a name. That is what? Above all name. And at the name of Jesus, including Mammon. Including mammon. You deliver yourself from the threats of poverty if you can work on your name. So I started to say that to have a good name is the pathway to be delivered from the grip of lack and poverty. I heard a story of a lawyer, of another younger lawyer who has been suffering in practice. I met this big lawyer. And he said to that big lawyer, what can you do to help my life? You know what the big lawyer said to him? Nothing. Nothing. He pleaded and pleaded. He said nothing. Then on one particular day, there was a conference. The younger lawyer attended, and that big lawyer was there. Then for some reason, he walked up to that big lawyer and said, I'm here. The man ignored him. But you know what he did? He held the youngest lawyer's hand. And they walked down the corridor of the conference. They went through and through like three times and tell the younger lawyer, go. And he said to him, if you don't make it again, never you greet me. What do you think happened there? So you watch what happened. As the younger lawyer, they finished the conference and he was standing by the bus stop to pick a cab. Other people that attended the conference saw him. And they passed in their car, came down. I said, you know him? We've been trying to reach him. Can you link us? The younger lawyer said, that's easy. I can always take you there. He said, we have a brief to give to him. He said, you know, the story changed because they gave him the brief. He made so much money. After a year, he went back to meet the big lawyer and said to him, I brought a special gift for you. The big lawyer now asked him the question, what do you think happened to you the day I held your hand and I was moving? Eh? Eh? For a man to commit his reputation and integrity on you, you must be a good symbol. He said, I gave you my reputation that day. I gave you my name. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said, almost 50, all I'm struggling for now is to have a great name. And a great name is not the noisy one, no. It's the name that understands the principle of Bodmas. Relationship is powerful. Relationship with mankind is the key to open any great door. Believe me, as you are seated here, for everything you ever need in your life is on the table of somebody who does not need it. Believe me. So relationship is everything. So I said, what is Bodmas? Bodmas simply means, bracket, can I have my, my slide back because I'm closing now. And I'm just going to talk on brackets and maybe off. Maybe some other time. I have learned that in relationship, there are people that will be of tremendous blessings to you to help your name. But they have a style that might not be compatible with your nature. Are you following me? The natural tendency is for you to detach and be irritated and depart from them. Are you following me? And I'll give you an example of somebody here. Have you ever imagined the life of David and Saul? Keep that in mind. Have you ever imagined the life of Anna and Eli? Have you also ever imagined the life of Samuel and Eli? So let's start with Anna and so let's discuss that. Anna was praying, trusting God for fruit of the womb. Is that correct? Eli, the so-called prophet, the man of God in the house, listen. Go blind, but God's still with him. 
looked at the woman and said, you're such a drunk. In Shiloh, you are drinking? If Anna was a badly behaved human being, what kind of response do you think you would have given Eli? I'm taking you somewhere. He probably would have said, you know, it's not your fault. This blindness thing is affecting your... Eh? Let me read a scripture to you and I will hit it hard to show you the reason why this is your bad name. This is the source of it. Let's read something in the book of... First Samuel 18. First Samuel 18, verse 14. So we are moving towards, how do you build a good name? How do you build a good name? The first thing I need to write down is through self-questioning. Number one way to build a good name. Self-questioning. Self-questioning. Who am I? Because the ultimate response to who you are is not on the lips of men. It's by the Spirit of God. And Peter spoke by the Spirit and confirmed who he is as a son of God. Self-questioning. Number two is in that scripture. In everything, he had great success. Give me 13. Give me 13. 13, make it. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men. David led the troops in their campaign. Go forward to verse 14 now. Thank you. Verse 14 now. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. Go forward a little bit more for me, 15. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. No, give me NKJV. I was wondering. There's a word I'm looking for there. Give me the NKJV of it in 14. Thank you. You will see that word now and then you will ask yourself as I connect it with Anna and Eli, Samuel, David and Saul, all of them together. Look at what David did here. Listen to that sentence here. And David did what? Okay. How do you behave wisely? Most of us don't behave wisely. Anna could have looked at Eli and behaved irrationally based on the pressure of his situation. You know, there's a way situation can overwhelm you and to lock your reasoning. He said to Eli, Eli, it's not as you see it. Did she behave wisely? Did she get what she wants? At the moment she opened her mouth to say, Ah, prophet, it's not as you saw it. You know what? The symbol of Anna changed. And Eli opened his mouth and said, By this time, according to the seasons of life, you will come back with a testimony. Did that happen to Eli, to Hannah? Yes. So, some of us, the reason why this bad name and bad symbol is the fact that we don't behave wisely. First, before people of higher authority. Brackets is not for people lower than you. There are people that must be in your space, but they don't have to constantly agree with you. Yeah. The concept of relationship is in rebuke, correction, and love. David, stood, David knew that this soul is the only barrier between him becoming a king. He has several opportunities to kill Saul. You recall the story. But he behaved himself what? Wisely. Ask yourself, are you behaving yourself wisely to authorities? Yeah. Believe me. Believe me. If you are the type that is given to vexation easily, you will carry a bad name for long. When someone in authority can't speak to you, and the next thing you do is to show tantrums, you will carry a bad name for long. If you are truly David's son, you will behave what? Wisely. Put your hand on your head and say, Lord, help me to behave wisely. Before people that matters in life, David behaved himself wisely. So, we said that in a relationship, come down, follow me here quickly as I close. In a relationship, 
there are some people that must be in your space. But they are not necessarily people that have to agree with you. People are looking for those who will keep patting them and say, you're a good boy, you're a good boy. Some people, without Helen, Hannah will not have a child. Listen to this. Samuel heard the voice of God. Imagine the arrogant of a man called Samuel who heard the voice of God. I went to meet Eli. And Eli, I heard a voice. And Eli said, no, go back. I imagine Samuel now looking at Eli and saying, you know your problem is you killed all your children. We don't even know if you are still a prophet. You are blind. Me, I should go back. You that can't even hear God again, you are telling me to go back. Ladies and gentlemen, what Samuel could have said that day, could he have been wrong? Describing a man's situation does not give you the right for insults. Am I correct? All he said about Samuel was correct. All he could have said about Eli was correct. But no. If there is something I have understood in life, it will take a man at the top to bring a man down upward. Alright? So if you are dealing with authorities, which is where I'm going to stop. Because if you will ever attain great name and great doors, those in authority must perceive you rightly. You don't know where you go. Your colleague is saying you are a good boy. Your colleague cannot help you. You have followers, no fellowship. You know, I see people I have 1,000 followers. When, it, when it's time for help, it takes those that, with the resources that is above to help you. But they must perceive you as a wise boy. Are you a wise boy? My pastor wants to speak. <laughs> Can you clap for Pastor Steve? Thank you so much. I want to go back to the question you started with. Jesus asked them, who do men say I am? And who do you say you are? I am. Any one of the disciples may have been thinking, if I have to tell you who you are, then you don't know much. True. You're talking about behaving wisely. A lot of people don't behave wisely. When Jesus says, who do people say I am? So there's some people that in their mind say, what kind of question is that? Then he said, okay, who do you say I am? What will come into their arrogant mind is, so you don't know who you are. He wasn't asking because he doesn't know. He wants to be sure you know. Can I tell you the principle where you're talking about? Greatness can stand in front of you. And you cannot see it. Jesus wanted to be sure that they knew the symbol that he was. Because the symbol they're going to become will derive from the symbol he is. So when somebody said, I know your symbol, you are Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, you understand. And he blessed him. There is no symbol you are going to get. It must derive from the source of your life. When I talk about symbols, I don't want you to run around thinking your symbol is any symbol. I'm talking about the symbol that you derive from the one that has the ultimate symbol. And the thing about this is that even Jesus knew that they cannot follow him all the time and all his life if they did not understand his symbol. And on a lower level, let me tell you something. People who don't see you and know the symbol you are, don't trust them. They will not go far with you. That's one of the reasons why Jesus asked them, who do you say I am? 11 out of 12 could not answer the question. And I tell you another thing about symbols. You, you don't have any symbol. Your symbol that you have derives from a source. For instance, you are who you are. You derive the symbol of your DNA from your parents. The symbol of eternal life you derive from Jesus. Yeah. So you cannot cut off Jesus. The same way you cannot cut off your parents. That's why I say honor your parents or that why your life will be short. You cut yourself off. 
There's no standalone symbol. You derive your symbol from somebody. Jesus said, I am not a symbol. I derive my symbol from the Father. He yeah. said, the Father and I were one yeah. symbol. If you want to have the symbol of somebody, you have to recognize who the person is. The size of the symbol will determine how you relate to that person. When you can't follow a man, it's because you are, you are confused about the symbol. And all the people that called him Elijah and something, they didn't follow him. They, didn't, they can't follow him. But Peter recognized the symbol. Let me give you something. Eh? Learn to find out what your symbol is and find out the people that recognize your symbol. If you invest your life in people that do not recognize your symbol, you are going to regret it. How far anybody will go with you determines on the recognition of your symbol, who you are, what you stand for, and every symbol comes with authority, power, and all kinds of things. I'm telling you two things. How to relate to God and how to relate with people. Don't waste your life with people that don't recognize your symbol. The symbol is central to you. And then, if somebody's symbol cannot bless you, or has nothing to offer, it doesn't matter how long you follow, nothing will come out of it. But the Bible says, having eyes, they don't see. Having ears, Jesus said, I've been with you. you. Have you not heard? Having a heart, some people don't understand. You are not going to find your symbol in social media. Spend more time in the word of God. You are likely to find your symbol. Saints of God, we cannot indeed exhaust the content of this message. But if there's something I need us to please keep at heart, it's the starting point of the symbol that you choose to represent. And alluding to the fact that you can't be a symbol by yourself except it is deduced from a greater symbol. <laughs> you derive your symbol from a greater source. I submit to say to you, saints of God, our father in this house is a great symbol. A great symbol by all standards. I have added him in my bracket. B represents what? Bracket. I don't need him to pat me, call me good name. I don't want even all that. Because as I see him, the symbol he represents, the symbol I covet. I like Pastor Yomi in that bracket. Because as you grow older, you start to review your network. Because some people are just followers who will not fellowship. And so, I like Pastor Yomi in the symbol. You know what I like about Pastor Yomi? Firm and friendly. You know what we call firm and friendly. You know what I like about my pastor? Zero tolerance for mediocrity. As when you say, now, for someone who likes to run in between mediocrity and excellence, he will have no space for you, and it's not because his symbol is excellence. He won't lower his symbol because he wants to accommodate you. But if you want to be a symbol of excellence, then you better put him in your bracket. Because going forward in 2023, there is no room for mediocrity again. It's either you know how to do it, or you don't know how to do it. I love Pastor Etefia. You know Pastor Etefia? You know what I learned about Pastor Etefia? I had to follow the instruction of the leader. He follows. I've struggled to follow instruction here. And I had to follow. Listen, all right, get in favor of Pastor. Because who likes you matters in life. Who like, oh, you are struggling with your gift because nobody likes you yet. Who likes you? And it takes men of great authority who can bestow favor and likeness upon you. But you don't know how to behave wisely. Oh, sorry, anyhow. If you like, jump around with a bugash, bugash you know, bugash order. It doesn't matter. They are not my helper. Listen to me. God will do his part. Men will play his part. Caesar and God, they run the planet. 
Am I correct, sir? Someone is saying, he's saying blah, 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 blah. He has paid the dues to the northern and said, we are accepting. Life is relationship. So in my bracket, I start to do a review. I want Pastor Femi. I want Pastor Yomi. I want my... You know this pastorate, they are the amazing set of people. If you, since I've been in this church, you will never hear of misunderstanding once because everybody sits up in rank. Pastor Kola, in that chair, he coordinates everything going on on that chair. You know the truth? It's impossible for me not to be great. If I'm not great, you should be surprised. And you cannot be a member of this great assembly and not be great. If you are not great, then I can understand why you have to leave. I can understand. December 4th is a turnaround in the story of this church. It's a turnaround. I see God changing the seasons and times. I see our pastor on that level of symbolic expression. Pray that on that day, 4th of December, you will come with your tangible sacrifice of thanksgiving and say, Lord, I have registered myself for 2023. Let me not lack in 2023. I don't know if you have been blessed tonight. I shall shoot my time. Go on with behaving wisely. Tell yourself, behave wisely. Don't behave stupidly in front of your helper. Pastor, I behave wisely. You know, Pastor Collins have been behaving wisely with your car. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. 